What is going on, people in the world? Before we get started with this podcast today, I do want to talk a little bit about Jungle Shot pre-workout. Have you taken pre-workout? Are you interested in taking pre-workout? If so, give a Jungle Shot a look. Jungle Shot was created to help you perform optimally in every facet of life, whether that be before an athletic endeavor, a workout, a date, an exam, a business presentation, whatever you got going on, Jungle Shot will give you the energy, the boost, the intensity, the focus for you to experience more and it be and be the best best version of you, really. Listen, if you don't believe me, go to the website, jungleshot.com, and check out the ingredients page. Because if you look at the ingredients page, it'll tell you everything that's on there, all the doses, everything that is in there, and what it actually does, how it affects the body. And there's a ton of research back in Jungle Shot specifically. Of course, Mikey Cell takes it to the next level and gets this stuff tested versus all the other top pre-workouts out there. And what do you know? Jungle Shot ranks up at number one. I take it regularly. And just from like cycling and creatine uh, on and off every so often, and I'll tell you the truth, I haven't taken any sort of pre-workout or creatine since the year has started. So it's June now. The first pre-workout I'm taking is Jungle Shot. And I feel fucking fantastic. And I don't think I've looked any more cut than I look right now. Ha ha. Look at my little Hercules. Anyway, I think it's got something to do with Jungle Shot. And in the podcast, you'll uh, you'll hear Mikey talk a little bit about wh- how it came about, the reason behind it, why he did it. Uh, he's just, it's interesting. This, this dude's a hustler. And I met him last year. It's great to see his individual growth, MSP's growth, all the guys at MSP and Viking Ninja, all their growth. It's wonderful. It's contagious. I know I've taken a ton in from it, and I've sprouted and done my own endeavors, and I hope that this podcast reaches to many of you out there, and it gives you that uh, that spark to go ahead and do your thing, too. In fact, that's what life's all about. Let's enjoy the journey. Let's help out, Let's help out each other, and that's it. Enjoy the podcast. Mikey Cell, MSP Gym, Jungle Shot. I don't think he needs any more of an explanation. Enjoy. Welcome to my podcast for Thank the second you. time. Dude, it's been almost it's been almost exactly a year. Yep. Since the last time we spoke. And now we get to enjoy a little bit of your fancy creation. Jungle shot. There we go. Dude, Experience cheers. more. Dude, it tastes amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, so I let's start off basically by starting out with pre-workout, <clears throat> using pre-workout before you exercise. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that you have creatine in yours. I like the fact that it acts as a nootropic and enhances your focus. Talk to me about Jungle Shot. Talk to me about pre-workout, the benefits, why you like it, etc. Cool. Yeah, so I started working out when I was 12 years old. Early on, I wanted to take supplements that would give me a boost. Uh, so, of course, in high school, I would take pre-workouts for the caffeine, let's, the energy let, effect. Let's take that back a little bit. So, sure. like, that was already the culture established within you at school was, like, pre-workout before you go work out and taking supplements. Sure. That was already, like, established within the that, locker that room, a, football, your culture. Like, how yeah, did that within, come about? So, yeah. Like, so, early on in my lifting career, I'd watch a lot of YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. And you'd see these massive guys on copious amounts of drugs. And their results be correlated to supplements and of course me being the naive kid i was thought okay this is sick 
I'll take a little bit of protein powder. Yeah. I'll take some natty tea booster, which really in reality is going to do nothing. <laughs> and I'm going to get yoked. Dude, I remember looking at like this uh, page of uh, um, just a muscle fitness muscle and fitness magazine mm-hmm. looking at NO Explode. Oh, sure. And I was like, dude, <laughs> this is the stuff that's going to get me all jacked. I can't wait to take it. Like I just, I, my mind too, it was in my head. Like supplements equals muscle, muscles and getting muscular. Exactly. Anyway, continue, sorry. Yeah, so unfortunately uh, in college, uh, once I started studying the ingredients within pre-workouts, I started studying the physiological effects they had, but not just the effects, like what the effect size of the effects actually were, what populations they'd work and what dose. I was really disappointed to see that most supplements were actually not a way to stimulate your gains, but a way to stimulate the economy. These things are Ooh, money grabbers. Yeah, they aren't going to help me. Dude, they totally are. Mm-hmm. Dude, they totally are. So then then what? Where do you go from there? Yeah, so then uh, I went to a fit expo, um, and... I'm not going to say who this gentleman was, but he's someone that I looked up to. Uh, he's a fitness celebrity, and he has his own pre-workout. Wait, why are you not afraid? Why are you afraid to say his name? Well, because I don't want to paint him in a negative light. Got it. Got yeah. it. I got it. I yeah. Got it. Okay. So uh, I asked him, I said, so, Mr. So-and-so, uh, curious, why did you use this ingredient and not this other ingredient? And why didn't you do it maybe at this dose? Just curious. Uh, and... He actually thought the ingredient that was not in the product wasn't his product. He goes, oh, actually, I, I think that ingredient's actually in there. So I realize a lot of people that are pushing out supplements don't even know the ingredients in their own Dude, product. full that, of shit, huh? Yeah, and that was scary to me. Ah. So I began uh, doing my own research, just going on PubMed and looking at as much peer-reviewed literature as possible. I was tired about reading claims. I wanted to read evidence. Um, now, so I, how old were you at this time? I'm always fascinated yeah. with the way like somebody like starts to click, and then where this information is like, ah, fuck these guys, <laughs> they're making their money, they're making money off me. They're, it costs sixty dollars for this pre workout. Pre workout. They're saying that it does all this, this, and that. So mm-hmm. like, where, when did that click for you? How old were you? I was probably about twenty years old. Okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Tw- twenty years old. I was naive. I, I would believe anything people told me. Listen, I don't know about that. I feel like if you're thinking along the lines of going to do your own research and mm-hmm. figuring out how to read peer-reviewed studies, that's another level of power to mm-hmm. get. Like, you're going out and seeking higher higher knowledge. Yeah, thankfully, I've taken some statistic courses. Uh, so my statistic knowledge is not incredible. I'm not a statistician by any means, mm. but I know enough to uh, understand how to read literature. Yeah, you don't need to be a statistician to understand like percentages and how it affects the population over time. I think that's huge. Yeah. Too. Anyway, go ahead. Exactly. Yeah, so anyways, I decided I wasn't going to buy pre-workout anymore because, well, most of the products out there were not very good. They were underdosing ingredients that are actually going to have a physiological benefit. Uh, they are putting in useless ingredients that weren't going to do anything. So I went on different supplement websites where you could buy ingredients in bulk. And I started making my own stuff. Michael, so, Mikey's magic powder. Yeah, I, I felt like uh, Walter White uh, in the laboratory, yeah. uh, mixing the white powders together. It was funny. My roommate at the time, he was a coffee connoisseur. So he knew how to mix coffee, roast it perfectly to extract flavors. So nice. he would be experimenting with coffee. I'd be experimenting with uh, pre-workout. Interesting in and interested in changing your states of consciousness somehow, some way there. Mm-hmm. That, that, I mean, coffee changes your state of consciousness, caffeine, obviously. Yeah. Pre-workout. Anyway, so like, how do you understand what you said 
the other pre-workouts they were putting in um they were underdosing things that would be a benefit to you and then they would put something in there that would make no benefit at all mm -hmm. like why were they putting that shit in there like did they claim that those certain things and those certain doses did anything at all or like yeah sometimes they would unfortunately base or how'd you figure that out yeah so just looking on pubmed and then looking at ingredients that they would utilize, I would try to see, okay, at what minimal dose or what was the minimal effective dose to get a physiological response that was positive? And oftentimes, supplement companies, they would use an ingredient that may pose some benefit at some dose, mm. but they were doing it at like one-tenth the, the dose, got unfortunately. It, um, and then other times, they would use ingredients that didn't really matter. So, for example, a lot of pre-workouts, it's starting to change in the industry, but they would use L-arginine as their nitric oxide mm. booster. Unfortunately, uh, before you actually absorb and get a benefit from arginine, uh, about half of it's destroyed, um, making citrulline a better option. The citrulline gets converted to arginine in the body, mm. and then you'll get 100% absorption, and you'll get a greater nitric oxide release um and that does more of a what has more of a, what kind of effect so it's going to help with uh the muscular pump so increasing intramuscular swelling which may be one mechanism of muscular hypertrophy uh there was one interesting study i was looking at recently at eight grams uh daily uh football players were able to increase work capacity on the bench press so by the third fourth and fifth set they were doing anywhere from 40 to 100 percent more reps than uh, the placebo group. Interesting. So for people in maybe a high volume phase of training, it's going to elicit a positive uh, benefit. Okay, awesome, interesting. All right, mm -hmm. that's, that's great. Mm -hmm. All right, next, what else? So you're messing around with those those things in your room. Um, when did you come up with that final like uh, concoction or has that been a, a developing thing over the last few years? Yeah, it's been developing. I think it's, as of about a year and a half ago, the final formula was finalized. It's delicious, by the way. Oh, thank you. Sour candy. Yeah, so of course, as future research comes out, uh, on our website, we have every claim possible listed for every ingredient. And then with every claim, we color code the claim with either green, yellow, or red, uh, based on which the claim carries, based on the current evidence. And then we looked at every study, and we color coded every study based on sample size, based on type of participant, based on uh, effect size, based on conclusions, based on type of study, etc. And based on how that matched up to the dose we used in Jungle Shot, we could code it. So we can make a lot of claims with Jungle Shot, but not every claim carries equal weight. And as more research emerges, maybe things change slightly. Maybe we add an ingredient. Mm. Uh, so nothing is finite. Science is finite, but our understanding of science is not finite. Yeah, that keeps yeah, so our understanding. It's in flux. Yeah, our understanding will become greater uh, as more research is pumped out. We'll be able to have greater certainty of certain claims at certain dosages and certain people. Uh, yeah, now that's the thing. The individualization, I think, is a huge thing. Now, how does like current activity level, current diet, current rest levels uh, correlate with uh, nutrient absorption and that kind of thing? Or like how much of that pre-workout or a, a certain supplement will affect that individual? How much do those factors play a role? Yeah, I think a lot of it is potentially genetic. Uh, some people seem to, for example, creatine monohydrate. Some people are more heavy responders to creatine monohydrate, some aren't. This could be due to current saturation levels within the body. Hmm. So someone is already more saturated in creatine monohydrate. Uh, 
different organs produce creatine, uh, then maybe they're not going to get as much of a physiological benefit from taking creatine. Whereas someone that maybe has less of a reduction of creatine, may, maybe they will get a greater benefit. Hmm. Um, what the uh, maximal effective doses that may vary, maybe depending on the size of the individual, yeah, yeah, yeah. the way someone is affected by caffeine, for example, the lighter they are, the less caffeine they're going to need mm. to get a positive uh, response in Got terms it. of physical activity, uh, et cetera. Focus and all that stuff. Yeah. That's another thing I'm fascinated with, the pre-workout that we're taking right now, Jungle Shot. It's got like a cognitive enhancer, a nootropic-like yeah. effect. I think that is super interesting. Talk to me a little bit about why that was an important part to add to your pre-workout. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so with Jungle Shot, we want to make it different. We want to make it a product that people could take before an important exam. Before studying, before going out on a date. Yes. Uh, Ooh, before going out on a date? Yeah. So, yeah, our tagline is experience more. Uh, <laughs> so that's why we, first off, we added caffeine. Caffeine uh, blocks adenosine to adenosine receptors. This is why you get a suppression of fatigue. Uh, so caffeine at the dose we use seemed to be a benefit for most of the population, 200 milligrams. Um, from there, we used uh, three grams of L-tyrosine. So L-tyrosine at that dose has been seen to uh, increase catecholamine production. Mm -hmm. So think dopamine, mm -hmm. think epinephrine. Feeling so, good. Yeah, drugs. so it's going to make you feel a little bit yeah. better. So we want you to feel better. And if you take this before your workout and you feel better at your workout, uh, you may associate working out with feeling better to an even greater extent. Of course, mm -hmm. you know, when you exercise, you release endorphins, mm -hmm. etc. So you're going to feel better anyways. But we want to maybe take that to another we want people to be addicted to exercise, essentially. Um, with the alpha-GPC, I think that probably sets us apart. Alpha-GPC, it stands for alpha-glycerol-phosphorylcholine. That's what's in alpha-brain? That's in alpha-brain. So alpha-brain, so alpha-GPC is the most effective uh, nootropic at increasing brain as well as systemic choline levels. And this has been shown at the dose we use to increase focus in cognition. Uh, so there's been studies all the way up to 3.5 grams per day in those that are even battling from dementia and Alzheimer's and slower, lowering the onset of that. Of course, we're not going to make any claims with regarding any disease. Right, 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 right. right that right. would be uh, unethical. Yeah, totally, uh, totally. But most other, like, for example, Alpha Brain, they use one-tenth the dose of Alpha GPC that we use. Hmm. We use ten times the dose that they use. Um, and the reason is one gram seems to be more supported by the literature than one-tenth of a gram. So if one-tenth of a gram was enough to maximize uh, uh, increasing choline levels, then, yeah, maybe we would do that. But it doesn't seem to be that that way. So that's why we use the higher dose. Nice. Do, so you take it before you work out specifically, or what are other times that you would you like to take this stuff? Yeah, so we recommend to people, uh, if you're going to train, take it maybe 30 to 60 minutes before you train. Um if you're not going to train, uh, then just take in the morning with your breakfast. Does it break your fast? No. Is it doesn't break your so? No, taking... wait, I, you know, there, there's uh, no there's there's five calories per serving. Got it. So that wouldn't be enough to really okay. have trigger an anything. Okay, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so when you break your fast, it's fine to take. We just use sucralose to uh, sweeten it. Okay. Um, we also add ashwagandha in there at 500 milligrams, which helps with anxiety. As far as ashwagandha goes, there's a lot of potential claims out there. There's a lot of literature to support it, but the mechanism of which it works is currently unknown. So that's the other ingredient that kind of makes our proc unique. A lot of pre-workouts, they make people feel anxious. They give them a cracked out buzz. Yeah. We try to uh, 
keep people calm. Yeah. We don't want people to feel anxious at all when yeah. taking it. I can tell right now, as we just kind of took that down, mm-hmm. I'm feeling really, really good. And I'm feeling yeah. connected in this conversation. Every time I told you I cross paths with you, like there's something about you that has an energy that just wants to provide value and good to people. I get mm-hmm. that from you. And I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good and calm, and I don't feel jittery like I would a normal like mm-hmm. uh, no explode type shit before you go work out. It's interesting, mm-hmm. and I think I'm very interested in the whole like nootropic effect because you know I mess with certain nootropics, formula nootropics. <coughs> I mess with the uh, Alpha Brain, so like it's part of the things that I'm interested in, and I like the fact that this tastes good. It's got some creatine. It's got some sort of like neuro enhancer. And it doesn't break your fast. I think mm-hmm. those three for me check off. I mm-hmm. like I like that. Um, so let's transition from pre workout. Unless there's anything else that you think that needs to be known about pre workout. No, I think as far as it's pre- not a complete necessity. Yeah, it's not a necessity. Uh, again, I wouldn't even. I don't even call jungle. I, it's technically a pre workout, but I don't look at it as a pre workout. Hmm. Um, so the only supplements I generally recommend are creatine monohydrate, which plug we put in jungle shot. Yeah. Um, provides high energy phosphate groups mm-hmm. that are going to help in times of cellular stress. So it's going to help with muscular recovery, but it's also going to help with uh, recovery of other organs too, Dude, potentially. I, I love it's it. It's a nootropic. I love when I'm on creatine. Yeah, creatine's great um, for a lot of reasons. It's cheap, it's effective. If anyone tries to sell you any other type of creatine besides monohydrate, uh, they're trying to scam you. Interesting. So Jim does creatine hydrochloride. Mm-hmm. What would be the difference between creatine hydrochloride versus the monohydrate? Because monohydrate is pretty standard. It's been in a lot yeah. of other pre-workouts or, or so what have you. So monohydrate, you're going to get 100% uptake um, into your skeletal tissue. So you'll get 100% absorption. Some creatines you actually don't, and they're more expensive. Hydrochloride's fine. Um Jim tries to claim that, from what I've heard, that it doesn't bloat you. Of course, creatine monohydrate, it's not going to... It'll increase maybe intramuscular water retention, which Mm -hmm. is not a bad thing. It's not going to make you look fat. Mm. So people that are worried about that shouldn't be worried. Mm. Okay, interesting. So creatine monohydrate is something that you recommend. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to go somewhere else with the freaking creatine levels now. Forget about Uh, that. We'll we'll go into... uh, Perfect. We'll go into uh, nutritionism and talking about that shift of how people identify with how they eat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then when they identify with how they eat, they kind of like just have the tendency to put it and push it on people because it worked for them. They become this, you know, connoisseur. I'm guilty of it. You know, when I learned about these fad diets, and I'm not going to lie, I had trouble calling them fad diets because I clinged on to them. Sure. Identified with them. Made me feel good, you know? Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that whole idea of identifying with how you eat and how we communicate those benefits or negatives better what are your thoughts on that yeah i think well first off everyone wants to have a place of belonging so i think identity matters yeah and i do believe that food is a big part of what we do in life uh we love to eat we love to share a meal experience with people um so sometimes I think that does for some people almost turn into a religion or a cult yeah. uh, where yeah, yeah. people think because they do a certain diet, they may be morally superior in some way. Um, they think that they're elevated. And I think that's really dangerous. Totally. And I think the issue with that is biases tend to increase the more you associate almost like some sort of morality with your nutrition. Yeah. So I think the <laughs> evidence, unfortunately, for most people, so what I do believe is that the evidence should shape our ideas. For a lot of people, their ideas shape 
how they view the evidence totally or how they cherry pick the evidence yes this is huge this mm-hmm. is huge and i don't know i feel like sometimes it could provide this like negative energy between people and if life's about experience and relationships yeah then what does it matter how I eat versus how you eat. And I think this is like the direction where I want to go in and talk about some of the positives and negatives of some of these fad diets. Sure. And and maybe talk about a little bit more of like a holistic approach to how to go about fat loss or just like living a healthy lifestyle in general. Maybe even thinking, getting the mind off the scale and not thinking so much about caloric intake Mm -hmm. versus how much energy I'm expending, but kind of just being and relaxing and letting go and trusting that you're going on in the process and Mm -hmm. you have to love the process in order for it to have a benefit or an uh, an effect on you. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So, how should we do this? Should we talk about this like fad diets, like one at a time, what your thoughts are on it? Yeah, it's fine with me. Go like that. All right, so let's start with with going keto or low carb. Um, why isn't that something? I mean, maybe we won't go black and white and say why is it something you support or not support, but what are your thoughts on it in general, and mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on how people use it as an approach to weight loss? Yeah, so I'm just going to throw a quick plug. A uh, great resource when it comes to ketogenic diet is scifit.net. So it's sci dash. SCI-fit.net. So the the man that created that site, he's pretty much looked at every single peer-reviewed study from every single angle within every single claim of the ketogenic diet. So there's a lot of routes we can take with the ketogenic diet in terms of the claims, but he's pretty much analyzed every single claim from a evidence-based perspective, but not just some evidence, all the evidence. All the evidence. So he spent probably the last year or so dissecting this information. Hmm. Um, so yeah, his name's Adam Zur. He's Adam uh, Zur. from Norway, and he worked with some really smart people that have PhDs within nutrition. Of course, just because you have a PhD doesn't mean you can't be wrong. Piled high, higher and deeper is what that stands for. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, Paul Check says that all the time. <laughs> but anyway, what were some of the things that he came up with, that are, to your knowledge, that are beneficial or not beneficial? Yeah. So I think, um, well, one, if we're looking at weight loss, because I think the main reason why people try the ketogenic diet is because they want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was a good study that was published. Um, I believe it was about a year and a half ago at the University of Stanford. So they had several hundred adults, all slightly overweight, around, I believe they were in their 30s. Half the groups, half the group went on a ketogenic diet, the other group went on a higher carb, low fat diet. Uh, they kept the calories about the same between each group. Yeah, I think I remember you saying Yeah, at this. the end of the study, there was no difference in weight loss, no difference in fat loss. Um, Did they monitor like mood and energy levels and all that stuff between the two? They monitored a lot of uh, variables. I don't know if they monitored. I don't believe they did mood and energy. I could be wrong. They looked at different blood levels as well. Uh, yeah, because like those numbers on the scale could be one thing and maybe not like a ton of difference. But like yeah. maybe like that style could affect hormone levels in individuals and the spectrum is completely different. The, 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 but, like, the risk with the ketogenic diet is uh, if you take vegetables out of the equation. Mm. So if you take vegetables out, vegetables are high in phytonutrients, micronutrients. This could help increase bacterial diversity in the gut. We don't know really anything about the gut. When people try to say or make absolute statements about it, run, hide, shield (laughs) yourself. We don't know shit. Yeah, we don't know much. Uh, It's like dark matter. But what we do know is that vegetables, green leafy vegetables, not the powders, 
are going to have a beneficial effect on decreasing or removing endotoxins um, within the gut, again, increasing bacterial diversity. So th these things are probably going to have a positive effect on the gut. Uh, you'll probably lower your chances of colon cancer uh, by increasing fiber contents, especially insoluble fiber, which is found in broccoli. Yeah, yeah. So if you do a ketogenic diet, make sure you're getting enough vegetables. The risk of it um, is glucose is the nervous system's preferred energy source. So a lot of people, when they go on the ketogenic diet, they uh, talk about uh, something come up here. Oh. Oh, memory card is full. That's all right. Then keep talking. So we got a good amount of video. Okay. About jungle shop, but we can keep going with the audio because the audio is still here. Okay. Perfect. Anyway, so you were yeah. Going, so the nervous system's preferred energy source is glucose. You know, when you tell me stuff like that, it's good. And like, oh yeah, stick with the Swedish fish. I don't feel as bad about eating a fucking gigantic bag of Swedish yeah, fish. Yeah. So the devil's in the dosage. Uh, too much of anything is going to be a bad thing. Yes. Ninety-five percent of diets where people lose weight, they do generally get healthier. Uh, so the the benefit of the ketogenic diet is because you're removing a whole entire macronutrient group, you're wiping out one third of like pretty much potential calories. Mm -hmm. um, so you're in a caloric deficit. You're going to limit the types of food you can have. By making the food more boring, you're less likely to overconsume. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of times people, they, they, they like to demonize sugar or carbs and they'll say, well, look at pizza, look at donuts. These foods are actually 50% fat too. So it's mm. fat, sugar, and salt makes food more palatable when you eat too many of these things you're gonna be in a caloric surplus and yeah. you're probably gonna become less healthy um also another benefit of the ketogenic diet is a lot of people are most likely most likely going to be eating high amounts of protein uh protein is going to help with satiety levels it's going to keep you uh full longer um it's protein also is very important for muscle retention mm -hmm. um and muscle gain mm -hmm. uh, so that's a benefit uh, the risk with the ketogenic diet is you may risk having too high of uh, saturated fats, specifically from animal products like beef, etc. Yeah. So these are myristic, or you may have too much butter. These type of fats have been shown to increase cholesterol levels. Mm. Uh, so having too high of saturated fats is not good, but if you're in a caloric deficit, being a caloric deficit does offset a lot of the negative aspects of most diets. If you're if you're at an unhealthy weight, you lose weight. No matter how you do it, most of the time you're most likely going to become healthier in most areas, and that's what the literature seems to support. Of course, again, eating boring foods, eating mostly protein, that's going to make it easier to uh, eat less. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's so much to kind of like think about when you're deciding how you're going to implement a new style of eating to change your life, you know, and I guess that particular structure eliminates, again, like you said, a whole mac a whole macronutrient, mm -hmm. and ultimately, and I really learned this from you last year, was you're putting yourself seriously in a caloric deficit, and that's ultimately, or that's a huge part of yeah, all Yeah, the risk of it as is... As far as fat loss concerns and weight loss. As far as, again, the energy source goes... Uh, using utilize, make your body utilize ketones as an energy source. Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Like, so it, it's like and, and doctor, getting into doc, fat burning. So Doctor Mike Isretel gave a great analogy. Uh, switching from carbohydrates to fat for energy is like firing your secretary or your secretary sick one day. All right, so your OG secretary, she does a great job answering the phone. She's glucose. She's sugar. All right, she's carbohydrates. Um, Switching energy sources is like you going off the street, picking up some like random like Becky that is just nasty on the phone, but is able to answer basic questions and putting her at 
the phone. It's gonna she's gonna do like a C effort. All right, that, that's fat. Um, the that's interesting and, analogy. And so, so another aspect too. So people think, well, if you're going to suppress sugar intake, you're gonna suppress insulin levels. You're gonna be able to increase lipolysis. Well, it weight or fat loss comes down to calories in versus calories out. So even though you're lowering your calories from carbs, you're intaking all these fats. And you're not just going to magically burn these fats. In fact, it's actually probably easier for your body to store fat as fat than having to convert uh, CHO uh, into fat. Hmm. Um, so carbohydrates do have a slightly greater thermogenic effect than fat. So it takes a little bit more energy within the body to process them. Of course, this amount is not really anything to worry too much about. Interesting. Uh, so as far as like weight loss, fat loss goes, they're pretty equal. Carbohydrates are going to help you more with performance in the gym. Totally. Um, they're going to increase uh, glycogen levels. So a lot of people report losing weight when they drop carbs. This is due to the keto flush. You can lose up to 10 pounds pretty quick, maybe even more, yeah. because your body's just dropping water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, every yes. gram of carbohydrates holds on to about three grams of water. Yes. Uh, That's a huge part. You don't want to lose muscle glycogen. So muscle glycogen is going to help increase intramuscular swelling, which is going to potentially be a mechanism of muscle growth. It's also going to help you with overall performance in the gym. So, again, you can use ketones as energy, but this is not going to help as much from a muscle building or performance standpoint. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Now let's let's talk a little bit about intermittent fasting. Sure. Because it's something that's super hot. I like to eat my food in a so-called window. I just kind of wait a little bit longer to eat the first meal into the day. So it's roughly between 11.30 and 2 p.m. is when I eat first. Mm -hmm. And I close the window at like 8 or 9. And it, it's, it's a great way that works with the way that I'm kind of living at the moment. Sure. And it... it I, I seem it's a for me it seems like a great way to structure my meals a great way to structure my caloric intake mm -hmm. uh, I feel better throughout the day what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting its popularity right now the stuff that's out there about it because I remember you saying how the information that we have is all based on animals yeah and that it's a different s uh, cycle than it is for humans so the, the information might be a little disproportionate what yeah. are your thoughts on that yeah so out of all the quote-unquote fad diets Intermittent fasting is probably my favorite for a couple reasons. Um, so number one, it's convenient. Uh, it is annoying to live the bodybuilder lifestyle and trying to eat like six meals per day mm -hmm. or whatever. Th that is frustrating. Do you do that? Do you eat six meals a day? Probably not. Um, no. Uh, I'll, it's a I'll, lot of food. Yeah, it is a lot of food. A lot of prep. Yeah, it is a lot of prep. It's just annoying. Yeah. Uh, if you're in a caloric deficit... Uh, the main factor that matters is your goal is to burn as much fat as possible while retaining muscle. Um, if you get enough protein while doing an intermittent fasting type diet, you're probably going to retain a fair amount of muscle and it's going to be fine. It also makes getting into a caloric deficit easier because your mm. eating window is mm -hmm. smaller. Mm -hmm. So out of convenience, you're cooking less, you're having to clean dishes less. Uh, you can have bigger meals because you're eating less meals. Right. So you get that's more enjoyable. Totally. Um, totally right. And if you're getting your protein, it's great. Where, where it is maybe inferior to normal diets is if you're trying to pack on muscle. So the reason why people try to say intermittent fasting is great for muscle gain is they say by not eating, you're allowing your growth hormone levels to increase. Like GH, I'm going to recover better bra. 
That's what the bros are saying. <laughs> now, yes, your growth hormone will increase, but we have to look at the effect size. And the effect size in terms of growth hormone increasing is not as great as the potential amount of muscle protein synthesis that we can get from spreading our meat, our protein out, that is, throughout the day. So there is a fair amount of literature to support the idea of spreading your protein out to increase anabolism, uh, specifically uh, mm. muscle protein synthesis. And this increase in muscle protein synthesis by spreading out your protein will have a greater effect than the increase in growth hormone that you would get by fasting. Interesting. Um, okay. So if you're looking, if what if you spread it out within your feeding window? So it started with the first meal and kind of went out throughout the day until it, it ended. Are you talking about from the time you wake up, from the time you go to sleep, spreading out the protein that long is a yeah. difference? Yeah, there's a difference. It, it's also going to come down to the time of day that you train. Uh -huh. So I just make sure uh, make sure your your fasting window does not coincide with your training window. Uh, so if you're going to fast, let's say you like fasted cardio, which doesn't really make much sense to me, yeah. uh, then, then I would make sure you try to have some type of carbohydrate and protein after your training. The anabolic window is not really a big deal if you're spreading your protein throughout the day. Hmm. Interesting. Not Interesting. a huge deal. If yeah. you're in a caloric deficit, you don't have many calories to spare, then meal timing probably becomes more important. Mm -hmm. If you're training multiple times per day, meal yeah. timing probably becomes more important. So if you're if you're trying to uh, increase your the amount of quality volume you can get in a day because you want to, volume is the main mechanism of uh, increasing mechanical tension, um, which is the main driver of muscular hypertrophy. So if you want to spread out your training, then intermittent fasting probably wouldn't be the best bet. If you're training once per day, you live a stressful, busy life, you don't want to meal prep, then sure, uh, it's probably fine. Interesting. I like that. I like that. It's a little both both sides there. Yeah. Now, another thing, too, that's a great segue to go into, and we could talk about being a vegan and vegetarian and carnivore, uh, but I feel like there's enough out there about that type of shit. And I do want to pick your brain about that uh, mm -hmm. eventually. And I, we've talked a lot about that before in our first podcast when you went vegan for eight weeks and felt amazing through the process. Mm -hmm. um, well, let's make it clear that people need to eat and train according to what their goals are. Yeah, so this I, is I, huge. The nutrition strategy that people use if they want optimal results should correlate with the structure of their training. Yes. Yes. So depending on the quality right. of focus of what you're focusing on in your training, that'll probably match up with what your nutrition looks like. Totally. And like, I think that also gets completely lost in the conversation mm -hmm. when it comes to the style of eating and the style of training you do. Because every time, again, we go back to this ism, even with training, it's like, I'm a CrossFit person. You just use steel maces or power lift or whatever it is. You just do yoga or run. Like we identify with the way we train too. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we want to be like, oh, this is better than the way that you train and I'm stronger than you. And maybe it's not about that for the individual and everyone's individual needs and goals are completely different. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something to kind of like understand as far as having the conversation when it comes mm -hmm. to styles of training and when it comes to eating. What do you say to that? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I do not think that there's an optimal goal. So if so, like being a CrossFitter, being yeah. a powerlifter, bodybuilder, yogi, like if you want to become the best within your your niche, uh, none of those goals are better than any of the other goals. I believe that there's probably an optimal approach per individual to excel 
within your field. Mm -hmm. So I do not think that all CrossFitters are training as effectively as all CrossFitters. I do not think that all powerlifters are utilizing as a scientific approach as all powerlifters. Mm. So I think they're is some cognitive dissonance within the way people train within their niche yeah but i don't think that any one niche is better than another niche yeah totally totally what about the end goal of longevity and like living long living fulfilled feeling good mentally and physically yeah spiritually connected is another way of kind of evolving your health and wellness sure so like when it comes to uh long-term health Mm -hmm. and like constant heavy lifting or constant heavy training or even just having the mindset of i'm going to train from four to five today or four to five thirty and have that mindset versus i'm just going to pick up the kettlebell and flow or pick up the mace and flow or animal flow or combine the two or structure this differently for long-term health and longevity and feeling good um what are your thoughts on that as far as that being the main goal yeah if the main goal is longevity well number one we know that Moving is a positive as long as it's dosed appropriately, which most people don't overdose on movement. Most people don't overdose on training. Um, Most people probably underdose. So finding something that you're going to be... Most people, but there are people that overtrain. There are. are. Uh, But the key is finding something that you're going to be adherent to. So we know that strength training, for example, decreases. There's a lot of literature that suggests that it decreases your chances of cardiovascular disease. It decreases your chances of cancer. There's a really cool... uh, Say that was published last year that showed uh, there was a greater correlation of grip strength to a decreased risk of cardiovascular disease hmm. than there was even cholesterol in cardiovascular disease. Wow. Uh, so yeah, strength is grip strength. yeah. And as far as injuries go, there was a meta-analysis that was just published last year, and what they found was that uh, I believe these numbers to be right. Don't quote me, uh, but they will be close. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we'll stre- be close. strength training uh, <laughs> decreases the risk of injury by about sixty-four percent. Stretching only 3%. Mm. But I find stretching for a lot of people is soothing. It's relaxing. It allows them to decrease their stress levels. Mm -hmm. And we know that there's a fair amount of literature that suggests that stress is probably not good for us. But what about when it's like eight weeks of strength training with no stretching? So the key with with proper strength training is that... So during a a phase of training, training should get harder. Mm -hmm. If training's not getting harder, you're probably going to stop seeing adaptations. Mm -hmm. Um, But over time, you're going to build up resiliency, and your sensitivity is going to go down, and your increase of injury will go up. So there's all types of fatigues that increase as you train, uh, which is why fatigue management is very, very, very important. So if a lifter is auto-regulating correctly so i never suggest going till failure on any set Mm. i don't think that there's a physiological rationale for it i also believe that lifters should be using deloads to wipe away fatigue if they're doing a good job of that then they're going to minimize their risks uh of injury and overall burnout now when you're talking deload you're talking about a whole week of deloading typically that's the way i structure it i think a lot of strength coaches do as well when i say deload a uh, general baseline, I think Juggernaut Training Systems posted these numbers a year or two ago, or a couple, maybe more years ago. Uh, yeah, Chad Wesley Smith and Dr. Isertel, both of them are great references. But what they usually do is, again, I don't want to quote them exact, uh, but they go, they take their week one's volume and they decrease it to maybe 70 or to 50%, and then they decrease the intensity, i.e., weight. Uh, to 75%. So you do about 25% reduction 
Okay. In uh, training weight, 50% reduction volume of week one training. And week one usually begins at a minimal effective dose. So week one of a training cycle is usually easiest. Usually are going to do some percentage less than that. And, and you're, the you're... reason you do that is it allows you to keep the skill of the movement. So you're not losing the skill. Uh, but at the same time, you're wiping away fatigue. And what we have seen is the number one risk factor of injury is uh, training past tissue capacity. So fatigue is going to increase your risk. So wiping it away will allow you to increase longevity. It also increases sensitivity going into the next phase. And each phase, to wrap that up, is consistently how many weeks? Four, five, six? What are you doing? Yeah, probably for most people, four to six. This is going to depend on sex. So typically women can do longer phases. Um, if a guy is very, very, very strong, his phase might be shorter. Uh, so it will vary. Interesting. Good. A lot of good information there. Great yeah. information. The last thing I want to cover with you is unconventional methods with your powerlifting methods. Now, you, you own a gym with yeah. the Viking Ninja team. Yeah. Right? The fucking Viking Ninja Steel Mace Kings. Yeah. Uh, how has your relationship with the Mace and Kettlebell and Clubs developed and grown the last year or so? Well, I think I have a great appreciation for it. So I may be biased. Uh, because I see them every day. But, yeah. for example, I think TJ is the greatest steel mace specialist totally. on the planet. Totally. The reason why he's great is uh, this. He doesn't do randomness. He has structure so that he's able to utilize scientific principles to get better. So he, the same principles, I don't want to speak exactly for TJ, that he uses to increase maybe his more conventional lifts, he uses the same principles for his unconventional lifts yeah so just because the modality changes just because the tool changes principles are principles and a great book if people are more interested in reading on scientific principles of programming i, I like uh it's called scientific principles of programming by chad wesley smith uh dr mike Gizertel, trevor hoffman it's a great starting point it's specific to power lifters a little bit more specific but the principles can be applied across the board sure sure Sure. Uh, Interesting. So, so TJ does a great job of utilizing uh, a block approach, block periodization, mm -hmm. phasic approach to his uh, steel mace kettlebell training. And it's why he's so great and well-rounded. Yeah, totally. Totally. Get that from him. And that's a great point. This is good. I like, again, I like coming in here and bouncing these ideas and kind of seeing what you guys are thinking about being in the industry now two years. Congratulations. Thank you. Two year anniversary. Um, it's good. It's good information here. Um, I guess that's it, dude. Thank you so much for fucking t your time and, mm -hmm. and talking your knowledge and spitting that knowledge. I, I think it's something that we need to keep doing and getting you on camera because, like, you've changed so much this last year. The, you know, the information that you're spewing gets more in depth. Uh, I'm just proud of you guys, and I'm learning mm -hmm. so much every time I come here. So well, I thank you so much, Danny. I think okay. you're a big beacon of light Duh. to the uh, fitness industry. I think because you. of your heart i think you. you genuinely care i totally do um and i think you just honestly love it and you're i think your motive is helping people yeah it's fun uh and, and yeah so I, I think it's pretty awesome so i really appreciate you so yeah. thank you danny dude fuck yeah man this is yep. great and uh until next time kids what a podcast you can just feel the passion off that guy it's the best anyway if you're interested in uh getting your hands on a little bit of jungle shot go to jungleshot.com right now and before you check out and get your order of your own jungle shot so that you can experience more, make sure to use promo code Danny at checkout and you'll get 
think it's 10% off. You get 10% off your order. So go ahead and do that. Order some Jungle Shot. See how you feel. Experience more. Code word, Danny, 10% off. Also, Action Coffee. Action Coffee, also another affiliate of MSP Gym, Mikey Cell. If you're interested in getting your hands on some Action Coffee, make sure to use promo code Danny at checkout. You get 12% off your order of Action Coffee, the home of amplified MCT-infused coffee. It's I mean, you can't go wrong with that. And then uh, if you're interested in some CBD, I can hook you up there. CBD, cannabidiol, the uh, non-psychoactive, anti-inflammatory version of cannabis. Get yourself some quality CBD at Well Vibes Organic. My main man, Howard Bowens, always spewing knowledge. Uh, check out his website at wellvibesorganic.com. And uh, again, as always, make sure to use my promo code Danny at checkout. You get 25, 20% off your order of Well Vibes Organic CBD. Quality CBD, it's hot right now. Let me put you in the direction of some quality. All right, check out my friend Howard, Well Vibes Organic. And then finally, one of the last things that I'm a huge proponent of is nootropics. And uh, my guys at Formula Nootropics are there to hook you up with some individualized nootropic stacks. Check out getmyformula.com right now and uh, use promo code DannyColaFitness in the uh, checkout box. Get 20% off your order of nootropics. You got your pre-workout. You got some nootropics. You got some coffee and you got some CBD. What else do you need to go get after it? Go do it. Figure it out. We're constantly figuring it out. We're constantly, remember that. We're constantly trying to figure it out. But let's have some fun along the way. Peace, everybody.